this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Have you ever wanted to turn off your brain because your thoughts were in overdrive? Or maybe you were having super worrisome or stressful or depressing thoughts that you just couldn't get rid of. Well, there's really something that you can do about it. Instead of being in your thoughts, you can be in the spirit. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do this. Now check this out. When you start living in this new realm, you will begin to be able to do things that you never could do before. And you'll have things that you've never had before and you'll begin to see yourself in a new light or see yourself differently. This study has helped me so much and I can't wait for you to listen in. All right, well, let's get started on Isaiah 61. Um, listen, listen to the title of this of this uh, talk that we're going to have today. All right, if you live in the Spirit, this is what you'll be able to do, have, and be. If you'll live in the Spirit, as the Bible talks about, not some kind of weird Eastern transcendental type of meditation spirit, but if you live in the Spirit, in other words, with the Holy Spirit, listen to this, this is what you'll be able to do, this is what you'll be able to have, and this is what you'll be able to, to be as well. Look at this verse, we're going to start off in Revelations 1.10. You can follow along in your Bibles, but I think we've got everything on the screen here as well. Revelations 1.10, John, the Apostle John, remember how there's 12 Apostles? One of those Apostles was John. He wrote the book of Revelations, and he says, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. You might read that and scratch your head and say, what, what does that mean? First of all, what's the Lord's day? Well, the Lord's day was the day that the early church referred to as the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, the Jewish Sabbath is Saturday, and from everything we can tell, Jesus was raised to life on Resurrection Sunday. It was, that was the day of the week. So when the Apostle John is saying, uh, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, he was talking about on Sunday. And that's really why we tend to get together in church on Sundays, because of that early tradition that came up from, from the early church right after Jesus died resurrected and ascended to heaven. So on the Lord's day, he said, I was in the spirit. Now, let me tell you just a quick thing about John. He was exiled on the island of Patmos there in the Mediterranean Sea. He was basically in jail. So what do you do in jail? Well, you spend time with Jesus. <laughs> That's what he did. Can I tell you something? You may not be in jail, jail, but you might be in a prison in your soul. What do you do when you're depressed? What do you do when you're in the hospital and can't get out? What do you do when you don't have a job? What do you do when the pressures of life are caving in you, caving in on you? You're in jail. And when you're in jail, spend time with the Spirit of God. Spend time with the Spirit of God. He was in the Spirit. So when you say, well, Steve, how do you get in the Spirit? Well, I don't fully know, to be quite frank with you. But I know one thing, and I heard it this week, and some of you heard it this week. You can be in your thoughts, or you can be in the Spirit. You can spend your time consumed in your thoughts, or you can say, I am sick and tired. I want to turn my brain off, and I want to get into the Spirit of God and have some peace, have some joy, have some relaxation, have some hope. Get out of your thoughts 
and get into the Spirit of God. So I can't exactly tell you how to get in the Spirit, but I can tell you the first step is to get out of your thoughts. And that might give you and me a clue as to how we can get into the Spirit. All right? So Isaiah, we're going to, so now we're talking about Isaiah 61 about what happens if you live in the Spirit, you get into the Spirit, you can do, you can have, and you can be. It starts all in Isaiah 61. So now switch over. If you're reading your Bibles there, or you want to look up at the screen here, we're in Isaiah 61. We're going to park there all day long. Don't worry. All day doesn't mean for the next seven hours. All right. How many of you hate long-winded people? All right. I hate long-winded people, so I'm not going to be one of them. I'm going to try not to be one. So next 30 minutes here, Isaiah 61. Isaiah speaking and and we we already talked about this last Sunday. Isaiah now was a mature manly or godly man. All right, I almost said manly god, but he was a godly man and he wrote Isaiah 61 most likely towards the end of his life and he said, "You know what? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. On me. I was at a graduation uh, the other day outside baking. It was so hot. <laughs> and everybody had umbrellas. Well, not everybody, except for us. We didn't have an umbrella. I wish we would have. But everybody had umbrellas that were trying to keep them from the sun. It says, the sovereign Lord is on me. God's spirit wants to be over you like an umbrella. He wants to be over you like an umbrella so that you're, you're not baked by the heat and you're not drenched by the rain. God wants to protect you. He said, the sovereign spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, I'm not going to go over everything we talked about last Sunday about being anointed, but we do record these, and, and it's out there already on SoundCloud or your iPod, your, your Apple podcast, whatever. You can listen to last Sunday what the anointing of God is, and I, I encourage you to do that because the anointing of God is so wonderful. The, the choosing, the anointing of God is, by the way, he picks you. Remember when you were pl- playing kickball? Anybody play kickball when they were a little kid? All right. The last thing that I wanted to be was the last person picked, right? It's so embarrassing to be the last kid picked. It happened to me a couple of times too. You know what? God looks at you and he finds the people who haven't been picked and he picks them. He picks you. When you're not picked by other people, he picks you. And so he says, because the Lord has chosen me or anointed me, And then he goes on, he says, two. And he goes through this laundry list of things. God doesn't just pick you just so you can be picked, just so you can be go go to heaven and be saved. He picks you to do something with your life for other people. He has a purpose for your life. He's not going to just sit there and let you just, okay, you're chosen. Hey, good for you. No, he picks you too. He does, he has a plan for you. And here it goes. Here we go. You ready? We're going to launch in. Here goes the roller coaster, all right? He says he, he picked Isaiah to proclaim good news to the poor. Here's item number one. And God has picked you to tell people good news, all right? You know what the, the number one tactic of the enemy? Who's the enemy? Satan, all right? Satan is real. Don't you ever start thinking he's not real. Satan is alive and well in this world. He's evil, and he wants to put negativity into your mind so that all you think is negative thoughts. I can't do it. My life stinks. Look at how bad my life has been. I'll never get better. Those are called negative thoughts, and they don't come from God. They come from the enemy. And so Isaiah is told by God, 
you're going to go out and you're going to displace all that negativity out there. Where does negativity come to us nowadays? It comes to us from the press, <laughs> from the news. I don't care if it's conservative news or or not conservative news. It's negative, negative, negative. I am so sick and tired of negative press, man. Give me some good news stories. Well, let me tell you what. God has called you to do something, to go tell somebody some good, good news. You know what? When we circle up on Wednesday nights and we have our little, little group, you know what I say? I say, give me some good news stories. <laughs> In religious circles, we say, give me a testimony. Give me, some, give me a good news story, man, so that I can walk out those doors with my spirits lifted. All right? He's called you to go spread good news. Has Jesus done anything for you? Even if it was 15 years ago, for crying out loud, go tell something that God did in your life and give somebody some good news. Negativity. You know what? Good news is not about condemnation. Religion condemns you. Jesus doesn't. The good news of Jesus is you have hope. You still have possibilities. You still have probabilities. You still have a hope and a future. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That is good news. You go into a lot of churches, unfortunately, and all you're going to hit is condemnation, condemnation. You, you messed up. You, you need to pay now. You know what? And our society is doing that as well. It's time to pay up. No, it's not. It's time to be forgiven. <laughs> it's time to be forgiven, man. Cleanse. Put back on the right path. No more legalism. Don't give me any more bad reports. Give me some good reports. But, but Isaiah is told, give good news to who? To the poor. Who, who is the poor? Well, obviously, there's people who don't have many fi- much finan- financial means. That's poor. But it's, you know, the poor means the hungry, the thirsty, the open. Are you open to God right now? I would venture to say you wouldn't be in church right now if you weren't open to God. You're poor in spirit. You're thirsty. You're hungry. I pray for our church. God, give us thirsty souls. Give us thirsty souls. If a religion person's gonna, religious person is going to come in here and dampen the environment, let them go somewhere else, man. Give us thirsty souls, people that are hungry for God, that receive, receive. You need to be spiritually selfish, by the way. Be spiritually selfish. Say, God, give me more and more and more. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start overflowing to other people, and God knows that. So be spiritually hungry. Be thirsty. Be spiritually poor. It goes on. He says, you know what, Isaiah? I'm not only choosing you for this, but here's another thing. I've chose you to bind up the brokenhearted. Can anybody remember a time when you were brokenhearted? You don't even have to raise your hand. Just give me a little nod. Yeah, remember? Yeah, I was brokenhearted. It's the worst feeling in the world. I'd rather lose your right arm than to have your heart broken. And it says, Isaiah, I'm sending you to bind up the brokenhearted. To bind up. Now, let me tell you this about healing. Healing is natural. It's natural for you to heal. If I cut myself, which I often do, I cut myself accidentally, hopefully not intentionally. If anybody's cutting themselves intentionally, please don't do that. It's not good for you. But if I, if I get a cut and that doesn't start healing, I get worried. Why is that? Because it's natural for us to heal. God made us that way. 
it so goes with your emotions. If your emotions have been damaged by abuse, by neglect, by a bad situation, maybe you did it to yourself, God wants you to be healed. He doesn't want you to be thinking about your something that happened 20 years ago for the rest of your life. He wants you to heal up and move on. It's natural to heal. And so he says to Isaiah, look, I want you to bind up the broken heart. And what they used to do is when, when there was a, a wound of some sort, they would have a, a oil. It was probably made out of olive oil, but they would put salver oil on the wound and it would keep it from infection. Our danger is infection. It's not that we're not going to be healed. God wants you to be healed. He wants to protect you, though, from the lies of the enemy, <laughs> the lies that go in and constantly stir in the pot and trying to make you hate somebody or blame somebody or blame yourself. We need to guard against infection. Let me tell you something. In this time of now coming out of COVID, let me, let me announce this to everybody. Isolation breeds deception. Being isolated and saying, I'm not going to go to church because I'm fearful. I'm not going to go to church because I'm worried. I'm not going to go to church because I don't want to. I like doing church in my pajamas, all right? That's bad. <laughs> Ultimately, that's not sustainable. And isolation breeds deception, and, in, and deception is infecting to your soul. You need, we need each other. And so the, the, the thought of, of oil in the, in the Bible represents the oil of the Holy Spirit. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life to heal naturally from life's damaging situations. We all go through them. We all have. I go through them. You go through them. And we also need, we need God's presence to heal, and we need each other's presence to heal as well. So he says, go bind up the brokenhearted, Isaiah. He says, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Did you hear that? To proclaim freedom. He didn't tell Isaiah, go free people, because you know what? Isaiah couldn't do it. You and I can't do it. If somebody's addicted, I can't go over to them and unaddict them. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not God. I'm just a person. But you know what God does tell me to do? Go proclaim or declare freedom over their situation. That's pretty crazy. So you're telling me as a Christian, God, that I can go out to an addict and say, I declare freedom in your life and talk to them about God's freedom and that that in and of itself will begin to free them if, in fact, they'll believe what I'm telling them. I'll tell you what, it's not, we make Christianity way too hard. Go find somebody that you care for and say, you know what? God can free you. <laughs> God wants to free you. Just tell them. Tell them about the freedom of Jesus. And when you're praying for them, this is going to sound amazingly easy. Just talk to God and say, God, I declare my friend free. Because your Bible, the Bible says it. Declare freedom. I'm going to declare my friend free. That's the authority of God that wants you, God wants you to use your mouth. He doesn't want you just to read the Bible and not do anything with it. He wants you to speak the word of God. If you don't declare the word of God, it's literally limp. It's not useful 
God, God gave you a mouth to be the mouthpiece of, of Jesus in this world to declare people free. And then God comes behind you and he confirms your word, the word of God through you. He confirms it and you're going to start triggering miracles miracles where you go if you will just declare the freedom of God give people hope it goes on Isaiah says not only to to declare them free but to release them from darkness to release them from darkness all right what is darkness well what's some of your darkness think about it depression that's darkness hopelessness that's darkness all right distraction evil desires Double-mindedness, always flip-flopping. I'm on God's side, and then I'm not on God's side. And I get on the horse, and I fall off the horse. Let me tell you what, that's all right, but God doesn't want you to be that way the rest of your life. Do. In fact, when you fall off the horse, get back on it. If you have to do it a thousand times, that's fine. But ultimately, God doesn't want you to be double-minded. He wants you to be on fire for the Lord committed to the Lord, dedicated, faithful to the Lord. All right. So he goes on. He says, hey, Isaiah, if you're going to live by the spirit, here's something else you can do as well to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance for our God. I keep hearing godly people say, you know what? Our country is going down the toilet. (laughs) And it is. It is going down the toilet. But you know what? I'm going to start declaring God's favor in our country. God is going to do something in our country yet. God isn't done with the United States. He's not done with our world. Are we seeing some bad things? Yeah, we're seeing, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing people drive through crowded streets running over people. That's terrible. But you know what? I'm going to declare God's favor in our country. I'm going to say, Jesus, I expect you to do something good in our city. I'm going to expect you to do something good in our schools. I, God, you're not through with our country yet. Listen to this priestly blessing that Moses had Aaron uh, speak. Just speak over the, the, the two million some odd Jews that were out there in the desert on their way to the promised land. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to just say this to you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. In other words, preserve you, protect you, guard you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. I used to struggle with, does God ever smile? <laughs> I used to think about that. Does God smile? And you know what? God started showing me, God smiles. Let his face shine on you. Let's get out of our religious mode and start knowing who Jesus really is. Don't just go to church. Be a part of the church. Be a part of the church. But he says, the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. What is gracious? I mean, just let him do something good for you. God wants to do something good for you every day of your life. He want, God is a good God. I want to dispel the myth, the theory, that God is up there with a hammer waiting to pound you over the head. He is not. He's gracious. He's merciful. In fact, in Psalms 23, for those of you that might be doubting me, David says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I look back, and all I see is God's goodness. It's, it's going to get me. It's going to get me. Good, get me. <laughs> The goodness of God, the mercy of God. 
I, I think right now as I'm speaking, some people's thoughts are being changed right now. Some hearts are being softened right now. You're seeing, you're seeing God in a different light right now, as you should, in accordance with his word. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then Moses says, or God says to Moses, he says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I pray that God's name is on you so that you can start receiving the blessings of God. Does God correct you? Of course he does. Does God discipline you? Of course he does. He loves you. That's why. I, 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 don't, I don't make it easy on my kids every day of the week. I try to help them, encourage them. But when they do something wrong, I correct them. So is God my father with me and with you as well. But he's good. You've got to get it into your mind that he's good. And Luke 6.28, God gives us an example. He says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Isn't that what God does to us? We don't deserve anything good. I'm, I'm a bad person outside of Jesus. But you know what? He's blessed me, and in blessing me, he's changed me. And I want you to think if you have kids or grandkids, isn't that how you get kids to behave better? Is by showing them love and kindness and gentleness? That's how God, your Father, is with you as well. So God goes on. He's talking to Isaiah, and he says, hey, if you're going to live by the Spirit, here's another thing you can do to comfort all who mourn. I'm thinking of the Ibarras right now who lost their 22-year-old son who's in the Navy or who was in the Navy. The sadness this week of this family must be going through. Can you imagine? You, you've raised your child up. They're, they're in society now. They're being productive, and they they pass away before you. No parent should lose their kid before they pass on. It should be vice versa. Either way, it's sad. But you know what the Bible says? Even for the Ibarras right now, tragic. They haven't reset. The military is going to be shipping back his body. They're going to send back his car. They're going to close. I want you to feel what parents feel right now. You know what? God can comfort them in that situation. He, he will comfort them in that situation. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And God has called you and me to go find somebody like that and encourage them and comfort them and walk alongside with them as long as they need. Do you think they're going to be over this tragedy in a month or two? No. They're going to need to hear from us two years from now, three years from now. On Father's Day, they're going to need to hear from us to encourage them, to comfort them. If God is comforting them, we should be comforting them as well. In fact, if you're on our text message every, every day, you're going to receive a, a text. I believe it's on Wednesday that says, call somebody and comfort them today. Go put it into practice. Let's not just make this theory. Let's go be a part of somebody's solution. Amen. Verse 3, God tells Isaiah, you're going to provide the following things to those who mourn, to those who grieve. There's three things here. You're going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Have you ever been totally shamed? <laughs> totally shamed. Embarrassed. Wished you could run back to your room and cover your pillow, your head with a pillow. You've been so shamed. 
God says, you know what, in those situations, you know what God does? He puts a crown on your head. And instead of shame, he says, I'm going to crown you and I'm going to honor you. And you say, I don't deserve it. Well, you're right. But stop talking about not deserving it. Say, if God gives me a crown of honor, I'm going to receive that crown of honor. We're not going to argue anymore about God. I don't deserve it. Look at my path. Shut up and receive God's crown of honor on your head. Just receive it. All right? Stop going through I don't deserve it thing. Receive God's honor in your life when you're shamed. Here's the, th- here's the second thing. He says that you're going to provide. <laughs> you can do this. Instead of mourning, joy. You know, Ezekiel says there's a time to mourn and there's a time to rejoice. Mourning and grieving and depression and dismay shouldn't be your, your mode of operation the rest of your life. You need to rejoice. I tell my family, and, and they see it, we need to have fun. You've got to have fun in life. Now, not, not fun that's sin that's going to get you in trouble, but God's given you plenty of godly outlets to have fun. And I'm telling you, if you don't have fun, you're going to stop doing it. <laughs> whatever it is. If you're not having fun at work, you're eventually going to quit. If you're not having fun in your marriage, you're eventually going to get divorced. If you're not having fun as a parent, your kids are finally going to leave you and they're never going to talk to you again because you didn't have fun. You better have fun in life. Now, I'll tell you something. This is going to sound funny. I'm not going to say that. No, I'll go ahead. I've started. I'm being like my dad now. I hate shaving, all right? I hate shaving. And one time a week on Sunday morning, because I'm going to see you, I shave. Because I'm working from home. I don't have to impress anybody, all right? I get on these Zoom calls like everybody else does. But you know what? I just don't like shaving, so I don't do it. So then by, you know, by Sunday, I look kind of yucky. And so I get out the shaver and I start shaving. But I found a way of enjoying shaving. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I've just, now I actually enjoy it, all right? And now, because I enjoy it, I do it. And I do it a little bit more often. (laughs) Because I found a little quick way to trick my mind and make it a fun little game that I do, all right? Find a way to enjoy life, and you'll live life to its fullest. Find a way. Because if you don't, you're going to quit living. God wants you to have an oil of joy instead of a spirit of, 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 of mourning. And then thirdly, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now, this is very picturesque. You put your clothes on in the morning, right? Oh, I hope you do. You put your clothes on in the morning before you go out, all right? You want to look nice. You want to look presentable, hopefully. But you know what we do in the morning also is we choose what spiritual clothes to put on. We choose them every morning. We go through our closet, and depending on our mood, we put on a spirit of despair, or we come over here and we put on a garment of praise. It's your choice. It's my choice. God isn't going to make you put on some clothes you don't want to put on. Make up your mind every morning to be thankful. Put on a, a garment of praise, of thanksgiving, of, God, what good thing are you going to do today? And I want to I go with you, God. Live in the Spirit instead of living in your thoughts. Praise God. I love this, man. This is blessing me. This has helped me so much this week. Um, then he says, they, he's, he's, God is talking to Isaiah about 
the Israelites. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. All right, now I've said this before, forgive me, but some of you haven't heard it, so I'm going to say it again. When life makes you tremble, you're stressed out because of a job situation or a financial situation or a relationship problem, or maybe you've heard bad news from the doctor, you start trembling inside, and you say, this is too much. What's going to happen? And you start panicking. Have you panicked lately? All right, God's telling you, stop. I've planted you on my son, Jesus. He's not shaking, so I want you to stop shaking and trembling as well. Be strong to the core because you are standing on the rock, the solid rock, Jesus Christ. He's not worried. You don't need to be worried either. And I'll point to Sister Nadia, who's been through a year and a half of what we might call hell on earth, of cancer and and trips to M.D. Anderson and this whatnot. You know what? Praise God, she's come through it. She's come through it. And I know there's times when she felt like trembling, but that lady was strong. She was strong. She was an inspiration to every single one of us. So whatever you're facing, be an oak of righteousness, a, a big old tall, strong tree that isn't shaken by the wind, but is strong and firm and secure. You can be solid. You can be stable and unshakable. Isaiah chapter, verse 4 of, 60, of chapter 61, he says, they will rebuild the ancient walls. What, what are you going to do if you live in the spirit? What are you going to do? There's three more things here. You're going to rebuild the ancient ruins. You're going to restore the places long devastated. You're going to renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let me tell you what you might say, Steve, there's no way I'm going to be doing these things. If you will live in the spirit, not in your thoughts, but start living in the spirit, you're going to do these things. You're going to start rebuilding things that you thought were broken down forever. God's going to start rebuilding your life. You're going to start rebuilding other people's lives. And it's not going to stop there. You're going to restore them. In other words, when, when, when you take a painting and they restore the painting, they bring it back to its beauty and luster of what it was initially. God wants to bring your life back into a beautiful situation. Beautiful. You've, you have a broken life. God wants to rebuild you, restore you, and then he wants to renew you, make you as if it never even happened the bad whatever. It never even happened. He renews you, and he doesn't just bring you up to where you were before. He brings you up past that, higher than that, broader than that, more glorious than that. Praise God. These are things that will happen if you will live in the Spirit. Get out of your thoughts and live in the Spirit. Now, we've been talking about the things that you will do now, let's talk about the things that you will have. It's one verse, one verse alone here in verse 5. It says, strangers will shepherd your flocks. How would you like that? First of all, how would you like to be a shepherd? I'm keeping my hand down. I wouldn't want to be a shepherd. I guess I am. I'm a pastor, so I'm a shepherd, but I wouldn't want to be one tending sheep. But shepherds will, will tend your flocks, and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards using you know, a, 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 what do you call it, agricultural examples here. But let's say you had a business, and your business is thriving. You find a really good manager, and you say, hey, manage my business. 
I'll collect the I'll collect all the the you know the money that comes out, and you never had to worry about your business again. How many would would you like that? You know, retirement. Yeah, Berman is like, yeah, I would really like that. Yeah, that's what this example is saying. So, what you get from this, first of all, is that God, when you live in the Spirit, He's not only going to give you enough; He's going to give you more than enough. And I'm not, this isn't prosperity, you're going to be rich and blah, blah. No, I'm talking about your soul. You're going to have more than enough. When problems come, God's going to take care of it. You're going to have peace, strength, and he's also going to take care of your physical needs. I've found that God not only gives me my needs, he also sometimes gives me my wants. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? The Jesus that we serve, the God that we serve. He not only gives us our needs, but our, but our wants. But listen to this statement here. God is going to help you, and he's going to provide for you from unexpected sources. Why does God do that? Why does God provide you? Have you ever had God provide for you out of an unexpected source, like out of left field? I imagine all of us, whether we realize it or not, have had that happen. You know why God does that? So that you'll stop looking at your sources and start looking at the source. That's why God does that, is get your trust off of yourself and off of people and your own skills and abilities and, and uh, intelligence and say, God, it's coming from you. It's going to come from an unexpected source. That's why this verse says, strangers will take care of your flock. Foreigners will take care of your fields because it's going to come from an unexpected source. So stop looking at what you can see and start looking to God who sees everything and cares about you enough for you to whoo, take a deep breath, relax a little bit. Say, God, you got it under control. You're going to do it. You've never failed me yet, so God's going to do it. He's going to take care of me. All right, so if I'm in the Spirit, I have my eyes on God, my ears attentive to Him, and I'm watching for Him, I'm waiting for Him, I'm going to be in the Spirit. In fact, that's the way you do this. Be patient on God. Wait for Him to get out in front of you so that you start following God. God isn't a follower. He's not. God is a leader. God will never follow you. He will always have you following him. He's sovereign. He's almighty. So stop trying to pull God. Stop trying to push God and just fall in line because your life's going to get a lot better when you do that. Whole lot better. All right. So stop living in your thoughts. Stop living in your plans. Stop living in your worries. Stop living in your past. Stop living in your shame. Stop living in your future and live in the spirit of God. Bible says, since we live by the spirit, in other words, I'm going to start. You get to the place where you, okay, I'll start obeying God. You know, he's been telling me not to do some things and he's been telling me to do other things. I'm going to start obeying God. The Bible says that's not all there is to it. Now, what I want you to do is keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in sync. You know, now we have the cloud and we have devices, and I type, I use Evernote. I don't know if you, it's a real neat program. Anyways, I use my Evernote, and as soon as I finish it on my computer, I pull out my phone, and boom, there it is. Why? Because they're synced up. They, they work in tandem with one another. That's the beauty of the cloud now. You know what? That's how you need to be with God. You need to be synced up with him. 
whatever he says is coming into your heart and you're one with God. You're walking in tandem or hand in hand with God. So, uh, you know, instead of it being about me, as I walk with God, it's about we. <laughs> I'm not going to say, well, I talked to God today. Well, who are you talking to? He's right here. Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> A group of people, they're talking and they're talking about somebody that said something in that group. And he said, well, he said, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's standing right there. It's, it's we. We're here together. God, Don't be talking about God as if he's some distant entity. It's about we. We're talking. We're in sync with one another. We're, we're walking hand in hand. All right, don't worry. We're almost done here. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the next couple of uh, verses because we are, we are running a little bit short on time. But you, you'll get them in the text and you got them on the sheet. If you take that sheet, you'll be able to read these verses about God's generosity to you. He's going to take care of all your needs. He's going to provide for you. Your employer is not providing for you. If you're self-employed, you're not providing for yourself. And if you're working off of what the, doc, the government gives you, your government is not providing for you either. God is your provider, period. So if all was stripped away, what did he do for the, the children of Israel? He went ahead and rained food out of heaven. God is not lacking on creativity of how to take care of your needs. So start looking to him. All right, where are you going to be? Let's just move through these very quickly here. Just a, a couple more thoughts. In verse 6, it says, You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. What is a, what is a priest? Well, don't, don't, all we can think of probably in our society is a, is a Catholic priest or, or a pastor of a church. But you know what? You don't need a priest. You really don't even need a pastor. I mean, it's, it's good. You need a leader. Don't get me wrong. You have a direct connection to God. You don't need anybody. You can whisper a prayer to God, and God hears your cry. He hears your call. So, uh, a priest is someone who's close to God and in relationship with him. He dispenses or she dispenses the riches of God to other people. And that priest also takes the needs of people and asks God and then triggers miracles. That's you and me. We're all priests, so to speak. We're all priests. So if you live in the spirit of God, you're going to be that connection of God to other people. And you need to exercise that on their behalf. It says, you will, you will feed on the wealth of nations, and on their riches you will boast. And I, I allude that to spiritual wealth. Oh, man, sometimes I feel so rich inside, I can't even describe. I wake up in the morning, I just feel the wealth of God. You know, it's not about money. Good heavens, money comes and goes. You get caught up in it. It's materialism is a waste. It leaves you empty inside. But the wealth of God, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Read the Bible and you'll start getting the wealth, spiritual wealth. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. That means you will be chosen of God. We've already spent some time on that. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Who will you be if you live in the Spirit? You will be known as a joyful, royal child of God. A joyful, royal 
child of God. Stop walking around like, oh, I'm not good enough. No, you are a child of God if you've asked Jesus into your heart. You're a child of God. Walk around like you're a child of God. Expect your father to do what you need him to do. He's going to come through for you. You don't have to beg him. Verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice and hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. You are loved. You are protected. You are freed. You are rewarded. And you have a covenant with God. God has made a promise with you that he's never going to break. Never going to break. Your descendants, now we're talking about your children, your grandchildren will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge they are a people the Lord has blessed. As parents or grandparents, do you ever worry about your kids? You stress a little bit about them? Let me tell you what, if you will live in the spirit, your children will be fine. Your children will be fine. God's got them covered, and God knows who they are. They will not be forgotten. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices. This is Isaiah now just talking. <laughs> I'm rejoicing. I'm clothed with a garment of salvation, arrayed, arrayed in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You know what? When you start... <laughs> When you start realizing your identity in Jesus, you're a child of God, you start acting differently. You just you say, I'm a child of God. You know, all of a sudden, I'm not going to go out and try to make a million dollars. I'm a child of God. I have a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm royalty. Why, why should I go out and try to conquer that mountain? That mountain has been conquered for me. You see, you start thinking differently. You start behaving differently because God has given you all you need for life and for godliness. So you stop trying to conquer everything because, and I'm talking to myself, this is me. This is my problem. I'm always like, what's the next challenge? What's the next opportunity? I want to go do this. I want to go do that. And God's saying, I've already done it all for you. Now just follow me. Just follow me. It's done for you. Your royalty, your nobility. All right, you have nothing to prove. I've already made you who you are in me. Praise God. For the soil makes the sprout come up. Here's the last verse. Soil makes a sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before every nation. There's this undeniable desire in each of our hearts for us to be fruitful and productive. All of us. We all want to leave some kind of legacy in this life. And God says, if you will live in my spirit, stop walking in your thoughts all the time, live in my spirit, I'm going to make you the most productive person, fruitful person, amazing person you could have. You'll be the person of your own dreams if you'll just live and walk in the spirit of God. So don't live in your thoughts, live in the spirit, and you will do, have, and be. Praise God. Does that make sense? All right, let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you, God, for this time, for your word, for your presence. Lord, I didn't make this stuff up. Lord, it's right there in the Bible. Lord, it's right there in the word of God. And here we have the Holy Spirit of God making the Bible real to us, genuine to us, helpful to us, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just pause just for a moment, Lord, to let these thoughts sink from our minds and our souls, and our hearts, Lord, and our inner person, Lord God. God, you know we don't need any more head knowledge. We need wisdom, Lord. We need our heart 
to absorb the truth and, and then that we start living it out. We start applying it, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that this morning some, some arguments that have been in our head for quite some time would be obliterated, Lord, removed, demolished, Lord, so that the truth of God can take its preeminent place in our lives, Lord, that, that throne in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, just let these words oh, sink down deep into us. Sink down deep into us. And I always offer this. Well, I don't always, but many times offer. Do you want to let Jesus into your heart? <laughs> Do you want to? I've done this a hundred times. This isn't a one-time deal, man. You, the Bible says that he stands at the door of our heart and he's knocking and he says, any man that will open the door of, of, of his heart or her heart and let me come in, I will come in and I will eat with him or I will eat with her. It shows relationship. It shows closeness. It shows, you know, camaraderie, intimacy. Is that you? Would you like to do that right now? Yeah, just, just talk to God right now for yourself. I think it's crazy for me to lead you in a prayer. You pray yourself. <laughs> you ask God yourself. That's your decision, not mine. Say, God, maybe I've been a little bit hard right now. I need, I need you to soften my heart. I don't feel right now like I used to feel. I don't feel people's pain. I don't even care about people sometimes. Maybe that's you. Say, God, tenderize my heart. Tenderize my heart. Come in, please, Jesus. Maybe you say, you know what, my heart's a mess. Oh, I'm like a spaghetti mess in my heart right now. Jesus, would you please straighten things out and make things level and, and even once again? I'm tired of the mess that I have in my life. Jesus, would you come in, please, and fix this mess of mine? <laughs> Maybe you have some thoughts that you're struggling with. You just can't get rid of them. You might be a double-minded person. You flip-flop back and forth and back and forth. Let Jesus come into your life and make you a single-hearted person. Straighten you out that way. Talk to him right now just for a minute more.